Hello, and thank you for listening to the show. My friends and I explore pop culture through movies, music, and so much more. I am your host, Armstrong. And this, this is the Culture Shock. Hello, I am Armstrong, and I apologize for being absent last week. Uh, Unforeseeable circumstances were the reason for that. But anyway, this week's podcast is a little bit different. It's a it's an interview instead of more of a conversational kind of setup. And my special guest is uh, Jeremy Shear, who is a local comedian. Uh, he's also a local podcaster and local being, I mean, from Cleveland. And he also sets up a couple sketch things um, a couple times a month. Sad Boys Clubs, I think that's what it's called. Forgive me if that's not right. Um... His podcast is Let the Hate Flow Through You, and it's on iTunes, uh, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and maybe one more. I can't. I I think that's... <laughs> Forgive me. Um, but yeah, that's those are at least four of the platforms you can find them on. Uh, Let the Hate Flow Through You. And I'm really excited to bring this to you, this interview. It's about 45 minutes long on top of this intro. And forgive the sound quality. Uh, it, uh, there was background noise that it was a little unforeseen. Um, but really, it's a good interview. I hope you enjoy it. Thank you for listening to Armstrong and the Culture Shock. If you have any questions or concerns or you want me to get off the air, um, email me at armstrong at Armstrong and the Culture Shock at gmail.com. Uh, without any further ado, uh, Jeremy Shear. I am Armstrong and I'm here with uh, Jeremy Shear. Hi, how you doing? Um, I, I was really excited to do this interview with you. I'm excited to do it, man. <laughs> um, so, what we're going to do is we're kind of just going to explore comedy and podcasting and how you came to do what you do. All right. Um, so first of all, I've I've vetted you some questions before. Right. Um, but the first question I have for you is, uh, I thought of it this morning. So mm-hmm. I was like, so why are you in Cleveland? Why haven't you moved to like New York or LA or somewhere? Good question. Last year, um, I was going to move to Denver, Colorado, because Denver has a really hot indie scene. And it's one of the few cities on the planet where you can actually make a living uh, producing and working shows and living in the city. Um, however, the cost of living out there is very high. Um, it's very close to L.A. Um, I lived out there. I, I basically I moved from Colorado to, uh, to Cleveland to get clean. Um, in 2004 so I've been out there before I have some people out there um, you know I basically could have gone in and be like if you book me on the show I will put butts in seats because these people haven't seen me in 13 years but a um, couple things happened one um, I have family out there and uh, they remember uh, the last time I lived out there when I had the drug problem. So they're not, 
Um, they weren't exactly thrilled with the prospect of me being nearby with uh, that whole thing. Uh, two, um, I'm mentally ill. So I have a dual diagnosis. I'm bipolar two and uh, I have a heroin problem. So um, that would, it would have involved when I moved out there getting into a new mental health system so I can get my medication and, uh, you know, I'm a new therapist and uh, basically, you know, redo my support structure so that, you know, if things go bad, I've got somewhere to, you know, uh, chill out so that I'm not, uh, you know, going out looking for drugs, which I have here. I don't really have out in Colorado. So um, with that in mind, um, I was like, it's still worth it because uh, I've built a thing uh, that I can sell. And uh, so I was excited. I was like, I'm just going to sleep in a Walmart parking lot and then figure things out socially when I get there, find a place to crash. And uh, I can find a day job pretty easily because I'm in medical billing and it's really easy to get medical billing jobs. Um, but I forgot one key thing about Colorado. Here in Cleveland, we have a, uh, a wide variety of ethnic whites. Um, and we all get along. And uh, we have black people, we have Asians, we have all sorts of different races. And in Colorado, it is wasps. And uh, because they haven't been in a situation where, you know, they're only a couple of generations removed from being oppressed. Uh, they don't know how to act. So I got into a confrontation out in Kent in August of last year with one of these, uh, these problematic white people. Um, and it ended in violence. And I realized if I go out there, I'm going to deal with this all the time. Um, and then I did some more homework and I was like, oh, there's nobody out there that's like me. Uh, so I'm going to deal with this not only from like uppity white audience members, I'm gonna deal with uppity white comics that care more about, uh, you know, policing uh, what comes out of my mouth than how funny it is. So all that being said, I thought it was in my best interest to stay here. Uh, where I have my support structure, nobody tells me what to say, and uh, I can basically do whatever I want. Uh, I've put in the work, um, so, you know, I decided, well, uh, if I'm going to do that, I'm still going to move, so I moved to Kent with my husband and uh, a few other people, fake internet husband, that's a whole different story, um, but... Um, and then, uh, you know, the things that I wanted to do, I wanted to do roast battles, I wanted to do a podcast, and I wanted to have a sketch group. So, you know, I was already doing the roast battles. Those have been going on for uh, about a year and a half now. Uh, so that's going well. And uh, I had done a podcast with uh, these guys, uh, Jordan Patrick and Just Smith, they had a wrestling podcast um, that was produced by uh, Milky Way Recordings. 
and uh, I've worked with them before doing stand-up, but I hadn't really podcasted with them. And then, you know, as I was doing, I was like, oh, Jordan's actually really good at this. Um, so I came up with the concept for Let the Hate Flow Through You. And I, your partner now, right? Yeah. Uh, so I, I called him up. It's like, hey, um, I'll throw money at this. Uh, do you want to do this podcast? And we're at... 44 episodes now so and then i, I yeah let the hate flow through you.com um it's available on itunes stitcher google play uh iheart radio and spotify that's more than right now i'm only on itunes at the moment yeah um we were hosted which uh, hosting service do you use uh soundcloud oh, okay um SoundCloud's on its way out. Um, we use Audio Boom um, for individual podcasters. It's nine ninety nine a month, and uh, they put you through to everything. So it might be worth looking into. Um, and this is only my fifth episode, so I'm pretty new. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is actually why I'm really surprised that you and they are were interested in coming on. Yeah. Well, I uh, I always like talking. <laughs> I always like talking. Um, yeah, but, uh, as far as everything else I wanted to do was like, okay, so I want to have a sketch group because, uh, you know, I was, uh, I was missing the group dynamic, um, in my life. And, uh, so I put out an open call for, you know, we're going to do dark sketches and, uh, the Stone Tavern in Kent closed down, but the people that were booking it moved to Michelle's up the road, so I got a hold of them, and I booked seven months out uh, for once a month hour sketch show, and uh, so we did, you know, I had uh, people showed up for the open call, we wrote a new show every month, and then um, once that was up, we're now doing our monthly show at the Funny Stop. Do you, uh, you film that too? Um... We've been having uh, the problem with the stone, the the new stone at Michelle's. It was called Stone Tavern at Michelle's. It still is, but uh, the main guy in charge has ceased his relationship with him, so I decided not to renew my agreement. Um, but it's a it's a bar. Like there's no separate. There is a sep kind of a separate showroom, but not really. So you've got ambient bar noise so you really can't tape there also the lighting's really bad i mean it's it's a great place to go the acoustics are actually really good to see live music but it's not it doesn't have a professional lighting setup um and you know we're not using we tried using lav mics uh but it just didn't work with their sound system so you know with having to project and where we have to set up the camera it just didn't work out so we're attempting to film at uh we do a quarterly show at brothers and we do a uh monthly at the funny stop now it's a little you know we have less ambient noise there so this kind of fits in with what you're talking about just now um mm -hmm. so what made you want to get into comedy and podcasting and sketch comedy and fun stuff basically um I, uh, when I was out in Colorado, I started, uh, I went to punk shows, like, 
or basically whatever shows I could every night of the week. And I started to get into producing those shows. Um, it started with, uh, I worked at an all-ages club, and uh, I started to get, you know, bands in there. And then uh, slowly but surely, like, people in town started trusting me, and I started being able to book other places. So I figured, you know, I could do that, but I really wanted to actually, you know, make art. But, you know, I have stupid fingers, I can't play guitar, and uh, I, you know, all I can do is scream. So I tried to start a couple of hardcore bands, but, uh, you know, volatile personalities and uh, drugs. That crowd? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I found a bunch of people that were just as violent and crazy and drug-fueled as me, but, you know, the problem is, and you are got to violent crazy drug fuel people like it explodes so i like move back to cleveland get clean and then my buddy of the dark muppet calls me up one day and says hey uh there's a comedy show in lakewood you should come with me so we went and uh it was at the Bossa Vida lounge which is now a taco place on 117th and franklin it's caddy it's next to the kfc um, I went to the first show ever there in 2004, and it was the first time I'd ever seen entry-level stand-up. Yeah. Uh, you know, because until then, I'd only seen comedy on TV. Like, I was really into the state. I was really into Kids in the Hall. You know, I had Carlin albums. You know, I liked Pryor. I liked Eddie Murphy. But, uh, you know, I watched Saturday Night Live religiously. I was a huge Letterman fan, so I watched those comics. I'm ashamed to say it now, but uh, I love Jeff Dunham when he was on The Tonight Show. <laughs> really? Yeah, I did. Uh, that, no, uh, I, I get the first time I watched his special, it was, I mean, I laughed. This was, this was when I was a kid. Um, it was like the mid-80s I saw him. Okay. Yeah, and uh, so when he got famous now, I was like, oh, I watched him when I was a kid. It's still the same shit. Yeah. Uh, it's just, you know, he added a couple more uh jokes about the puppets but um so basically i saw people bomb i saw people do darker material and dirtier material that you wouldn't see on tv and um you know i basically figured out i i start i went every week and i started bringing like a gang of people with me and we just sit you know we'd sit up front grab a couple buckets of beers and like they they pick on me and my crew for a year um and then um the dark muppet gets a hold of me and goes hey i have a gig for us if you want to do this and uh i said sure it was opening up for we suck on purpose um which was a punk band at the rhythm room which is in cleveland heights which is now melt uh, yeah, so it's gone. Um, so we're booked to do two, we're each doing 15 minutes. That's the plan. First set ever, 15 minutes, bad idea off the bat. Um, but I wrote it out and I was like, yeah, I can do this. I'll do some punk rock jokes. And uh, the Dark Muppet, well, first we did a Shots of Goldschlager at my car out of unwashed communion cups and he threw up got really really drunk 
He's supposed to do 15 minutes. He did 40. Uh, people were throwing things at him, trying to get him off the stage. Um, it was and he, he was, was drunk too, so he was making sense. He he what he thought he was making sense. <laughs> and uh, he listened to the tape later, and he's like, "People are laughing." I'm like, "Dude, that's me." <laughs> like all of that laughter is me. Um, so instead of doing 15, I did five minutes, and uh, I was like, "Well, that didn't really work out very well." Um, so a couple months later, my neighbor says, hey, uh, this bar I work at, Max McHugh's in the Valley uh, in Akron, which is now closed, um, said they would be interested in having a comedy show Thursday nights. So I set that up. And I had been seeing, you know, these guys in Cleveland for the past year. So I kind of knew, like, who I wanted. And I set that up. And uh, I ran that room for uh, two years. Eventually, they moved me to weekends, and uh, that's basically how I started. It was that's so. That's my third question: Is like, how did you start? Yeah, I just I just started booking shows. Like, I figured out how to do it. Like, uh, basically, I used that Bossa Vida show, which was a showcase style show, mm-hmm. as a model. And was like, all right, I'm going to have one guy do a long set. I'm going to have, you know, an MC, and then I'm going to have, like, three or four guys doing, like, short sets, and then that long set at the end, and I'm going to pay everybody. And uh, I managed to get everybody a dollar a minute, and uh, people started booking me on their things. I started finding out about open mics, Um, so it just grew from there, and then I ran... Do you want to put years to this? This is... 2005 is when I started, uh, December 2005 is when I started running Max McHugh's, um, and I ran, by the end of my time in Akron in 2007, I want to say, I was running a show every night of the week, they were all paid, and uh, so then um, I got greedy and thought I could run a comedy club uh, at the place that I discovered comedy in Cleveland because it had new ownership. No, it's the taco place. Yeah, now it's taco place. Um, I was wrong. I could not run a comedy club. It was, uh, there's more work involved than I thought there was. And, you know, my draw was in Akron, not in Cleveland. So it was, uh, you know, my whole thing was like, I had been in a fight with Funny Stop in Akron mm-hmm. since I started. Like, no, I'm not competition to you. Like, this is a basically a workout room. You're a comedy club. Like, I'm not taking your audience. But they didn't see it that way. No. So, uh, but in Cleveland, you know, I tried to get a, a partnership going with uh, the clubs in town because it's like, you know, same kind of thing. It's like, you know, I'm getting people on the cusp of being able to do you know, longer sets, um, can I, like, throw your feature 100 bucks and bring them over? And they're like, no. Um, so it was really hard to get people, and uh, it was really hard to sell tickets uh, when, you know, I had a day job and a family. And, um, you know, for the most part, the only thing that drew was uh, when I had, you know, 
outside producers that had their own draw. So, like, I was trying to set people up for, like, you know, hey, like, you're not ready to feature in comedy clubs, but I can set you up to do, you know, a weekend with me. And um, I tried to bring in a couple, like, people off the road. Um, I set up one of the unbookables um, to do a weekend. And uh, I just... You know, we couldn't put butts in seats except for a few times. So that did not last very long. So it's, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was my first couple of years. It was just doing my own work and putting on my own shows. Okay, so I'm going to take a little bit of a sharp turn. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, f- you're from the area? Yeah. Where exactly? So what, what part of Um, I grew up on, I grew up in the east side suburbs, um, so not in the city, in the city, but, uh, you know, when, once I, uh, my, uh, my family moved out to Jersey, uh, when I was 17 and I decided, no, I don't want to go to Jersey. I have a girlfriend. We're in love because I was an idiot high school kid. Uh, so I got, I dropped out of high school, got my GED and moved to Akron. And, uh, I spent the next few years like bouncing between Akron and then wherever my family ended up which was Jersey um, San Francisco and eventually Colorado and Colorado is where I picked up the drug problem so I moved back here uh, met a girl had a kid we moved in together and that's where the comedy starts so okay um so your podcast is what they flow through you? That's what it is. Uh, how did you start doing that? Basically, um, yeah, I uh, I had the concept, which was, you know, we're going to take a person, place, thing, or concept, and uh, we're going to have a guest every week. And we've tried to keep it to entertainment guests just because I find that they're, they're more apt to... A, be prepared, and B, um, get what we're doing. Um, We might branch out and have other people, but... um, You're you're not, like, running low on entertainment, though, are you? No. I mean, uh, you know, I'm getting more and more people hitting me up to come on. Yeah. And... uh, You're at over, what, about 10,000 listens? Yeah. We, uh... Yeah, we just hit 10,000 last month. Um... In under 10 months so I'm pretty happy with that it's uh it's not like you know it's not stamps.com listens yet but you know for a, a new podcast that we basically we didn't start from scratch the lousy weather media network um I had done their podcast their main show and uh I did one of their uh basement shows and you know, once I solicited for guests, they hit me up and were like, hey, why don't you uh, join the network? Because uh, they have, the Lousy Weather Media Network has, uh, I can't read, uh, Chris Clem's Cavs Cast, which was the first outside podcast that they got. Uh, they have an MMA podcast. They have the Lousy Weather Wrestling podcast. 
uh, Mike Calhoun's The Unbelievables, which is an improv podcast. And uh, there's pos- and we just added Steve Guy's Wingcast, which is a dating podcast. Because he, yeah, he has a, a book called Memoirs of a Wingman, which is about him being a wingman for his friends. But um, uh, I could, I'm probably forgetting some. But basically, you know, that they have a whole podcasting network set up. So we didn't go in like starting from scratch with listeners because you know we had, had a little bit of a base. yeah we had a little bit of a base from the lousy web, from the network itself and um i assume those other podcasts probably plug you yeah like we we plug each other and you know i've had uh almost everybody on the main show on the podcast um and you know it's Really, we're uh, we're reaching. It's 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 very Akron based, um, especially because they're do, they they produce live shows once a quarter, uh, not just uh, stand up. They do uh, music too, because all those guys came from music, um, and they've been doing the podcast for a few years now, and they have a really good chemistry, and they know what they're doing. Um, they helped us out with uh, audio quality because. Uh, and things like that. So we weren't starting from scratch, but you know, it basically is. It's grown uh, to the point where like over half our listens are in the past ninety days. So it's uh, yeah. Um, I think I know the answer to this one to this question already, but I'll just say, um, how did you hear about my shitty little podcast? You uh, you put it on the Cleveland Akron Comedy Facebook group. And uh, that is how I heard about it, and uh, that is why I got a hold of you because I am the uh, the mod on that group. Oh, so, really? yeah. I forgot who put me on that, uh, but that was when I was doing some stand up. Yeah. I bombed too much. And I decided I needed to stop doing this. Fair. <laughs> it's uh, stand up's tough, man. It's uh, there's a lot of failure involved because there's no other way to figure out if a joke works. A lot of actually, why another big reason why I stopped was I don't like to go out at night. Mm. Like I'm, I, I found out about myself that I'm very much a homebody. Word. And it's like come here, come see the show at like midnight. Fuck. Mm. It's a lot of late nights, man. Yeah. There's just no way around it. So I like this better where I can like meet midday and maybe make a couple jokes. Yeah. Um, if it makes it, if it makes sense for you, awesome. Do you uh? Do you have a lot of uh, family in the, in the, that's uh, supportive of this, or is it just kind of... Um, or friends, whichever you consider. I mean, uh, my family, you know, my immediate family's out in Colorado, and uh, because I'm very blue, um, and I, I changed my last name so that, uh, you know, they wouldn't be associated with it, and then I have some family in Akron, uh... Like they, I, I've basically told them like, you, you want nothing to do with my stand up because it's like, it's really dirty, and very dark, and I talk a lot about being on drugs and, uh, you know, what I'm going through, and you probably don't want to hear about it, but uh, lately, uh, with the Sad Boy Social Club sketch group, uh, with uh, the videos that we've been doing. Uh, they've been watching those, and my sister and her fiance listen to the podcast, and uh, 
my dad thinks it's hilarious that I keep losing to girls in roast battles, so he, <laughs> he watches those. So they Yeah. Well, I mean it's um you know, they've uh now they've my uh my parents came to I think two shows when I was first starting. <laughs> I heard your material. How did that go? Um well the first one I was I was emceeing. Um, so, you know, my, it was fine. Like it's, you know, when you're emceeing, you can't be as dirty. I mean, I was, but it was, it wasn't good because I was just starting, you know? So it's like, but, um, the second time they came, um, it was at the spaghetti warehouse. I was doing a contest that I paid $20 to be a part of because I was just desperate for stage time. And uh, they got to see me close with a, a bit where I used to read uh, romance novel fuck scenes as Pauly Dangerously. So it was, uh, they weren't thrilled, but they were like, when you were improving at the beginning, that was really funny. And talking about the room and shit. Did you which, know they were there? Yeah. Like, uh, I basically brought them. Okay. And then... Uh, one of the other comedians, uh, who's now passed on, had a couple of drunk biker friends that uh, were disrespectful to my mom, and my father and I almost kicked the shit out of them. So we had that was more important than what had happened with me losing the contest. Yeah. So it was, uh, yeah, but it was. Uh, I think the only other show I, when my mom was in a nursing home, um, I did. One show at the nursing home, which was really awkward because uh, we just didn't schedule it at the right time for people to actually come. And my mom just wouldn't shut up because she just, you know, she's my mom. She doesn't care. And uh, then I brought her to the Cripple X tour, and her favorite part was getting high with us after the show. <laughs> so um, so what's, your, what's your favorite experience in the comedy world or podcasting? Mm. Let's see. Um, I got to open up for Doug Stanhope, which was pretty great. Uh, However, I was really drunk. (laughs) So I kind of fucked that up. I had an okay set, but I felt really shitty about it because, you know, I got to the, like, the tipping point of, like, I could not handle, like, the fact that it wasn't perfect. And so... Needless to say, I did not impress anybody because I was a disaster. And, uh, but it was a cool experience getting to do that. Um, the thing that I've liked the most lately is doing the sketch, though, because, uh, you know, I've got to watch people that I've been working with for a while and we've been working on these things together. And I, like, I've seen the work that they put in and, you know, occasionally I'll get to stand off to the side and just watch their sketches kill. And that's really, really satisfying. And, uh, like you put that together. Yeah. Like I'm watching like somebody, it's like, this is a month's worth of work that we put into this and you wrote it. And like, these are the jokes that, you know, 
it's not like stand-up where we can just, you know, work it out and refine it in front of an audience. Like, this has to work now. Like, we know this has to work. We don't have a choice. And it's been working, and it's been, uh, that's been a lot of fun. It's, uh, it's a very, very rewarding experience. And the fact of the matter is, like, we're doing more and more stuff with that now like we did a show in west virginia and we did really well out there we got a show in michigan next month um we're trying to get into a couple festivals like that's been more rewarding to me than stand up but i think it's just uh you know i it's not that i haven't like lost my taste for it it's just like i'm really into doing this right now um, but with podcasting, probably the best experience that I had was uh, when I first started. Uh, I don't know if you remember when Chad Zumach was on the Alan Cox show. I do, yeah. Well, Chad started a little argument, as he is wont to do, with the guy that used to run a comedy club in uh, Willoughby Hills called Bogies. He was in charge of the local talent. His name was Jay Bach. Um so Chad and Jay got into a bit of a war of words and we got to have like the little comedy drama podcast where I got to like referee the thing. And that wow. was, that was a lot of fun. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it eventually devolved into both of them realizing how stupid it is. Yeah. But, you know, when you're upset, like, well, yeah, it just get heated and escalated. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun, and um, that was a lot of fun. But uh, I, you know, I like every episode of Let the Hate Flow Through You because every every episode kind of has a different tone because it's a different, you know, topic and a different, you know, person in there. So it's figuring out how to work with them and get all the funny out of it. And that's been uh, very very rewarding. Uh, and watching Jordan grow as a uh, comedian and a podcaster has been so much fun. Uh, so the, my show is Armstrong and Culture Shock. Mm -hmm. So what can you explain about the culture of com comedian that maybe most people don't know? Hmm. Um, as far as being a comedian, uh, the culture involved with that, it's very insular. And it has to be. Because um, it's like wrestling. It's a lot like wrestling, uh, where, you know, audiences are stupid. They're making assumptions about, you know, how things work. Um, that it's better if they think that. So, you know, peeling back the curtain and, you know, letting them into all that is, you know, like, the thing that, the things that I figured out, like, pretty soon is, into it were people kept asking me if uh, the people that I was working with we all knew each other and we all went on the road together like they just assumed that like we're all buddies and we're putting together a show for them and it's like you know sometimes that's what it is but for the most part you know we're just we're all there for the money like we know each other but you know we're you know we're just working it's we're co-workers um and also most audiences assume that we're coming up with material off the top of our heads of course that's not the case 
but uh, if they think that, you know, the, the objective is they're supposed to think that. It's supposed to seem spontaneous and conversational. So, you know, it's not like... The problem with it is, you know, because they think that, you know, people get drunk enough, they think they can heckle because it's like, well, you're coming up with this off the top of your head, so can I. And uh, they're always wrong. Um, and that kind of sucks. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's the same as any workplace. Um, you know, you have uh, groups of people get together and, that mesh well. And uh, they'll hang out outside of work, and uh, they'll like working together. So people get the impression that comedy is very clicky, like that. Um, but uh, you know, it's there. There are a million different ways to do it. Uh, you don't necessarily have to. You know, I started doing comedy, producing my own shows. That's an option. You can go to a comedy club and try to get on their open mic night or try to get guest sets at the improv because the improv doesn't have an open mic night. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, you hang out at a comedy club. You just bounce until you're good. Yeah. You just... I mean, that's that's how it works. You, and you, you just... It's the thing about doing comedy is there's... The only person that I've seen practice in front of a mirror and then go up and crush is Mike Polk. Uh, everyone else I've seen do that, you know, you have to, you have to work it out, um, because it's, again, it has to sound conversational, so, and it has to, you know, word economy, and, you know, actually getting to the punchline quickly, and then tagging it, like, and all, like, in order to get to that point, you just gotta keep doing it until you can do it when you're so loaded that it doesn't it, you know, you've done it so many times, you can just, like, it's muscle memory. Um, but there's a bunch of different ways to do, like, you don't have to do open mics if you don't want to. They help. Um, you can go out and do the road. Um, you can do indie shows. You can uh, you can do corporate comedy. There's, like, there's a ton of different ways to do stand-up. And, uh, you know, all you have to do is want to do it. And, uh, you know, it's, if, if you've ever thought of it, it's definitely something worth pursuing. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, there's a lot of failure and there's a lot of, uh, because that's, it's all trial and error. Like, there's no other way to, like, you know, there's no other way to figure it out. I want to keep this to about 45 minutes. Okay. So, I, I have this one question. We'll see mm-hmm. how it goes from there. Mm-hmm. Um, this one's kind of a gimme. What, do you have like a joke that you like that no one else likes? Mm-hmm. This never this works. immediately, uh-huh. This never works. My dick is like a virgin's tampon coated in the blood of the innocent. <laughs> never works. Never works. People are just like, ugh. Because, you know, I do gross outs. Um, so, you know, part of the appeal with that is people that have seen me before, like looking at the people that haven't seen me before, when they get grossed out, like they know it's coming. 
and they look at the people that haven't seen me and get a big kick out of it. So it's, uh, but that joke no one likes. Like, but I keep doing it because like, no, this is funny. Fuck maybe, you. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. But it's, it's dumb. I don't know why I keep doing. I don't know why I keep doing it. So who is one of your big, biggest influences? In like, what kind of culture do you really like? Do you like movies? Music. I mean, I was really into punk rock and hardcore um, when I was uh, when I was younger. Uh, I still am. Uh, but for the most part, you know, when I was driving around, I was listening to uh, the same New Order CD over and over and over again because I'm a lunatic. Um, but uh, I was really into wrestling until Chris Benoit dot, uh, killed his family and killed himself. That kind of turned me off because he was my favorite wrestler. Uh, but now that uh, there's kind of an indie resurgence and people have been showing me stuff that I like. Um, kind of getting back into wrestling again. So, and, uh, you know, it's, I used to go to the, uh, the openings of comic book movies. Like that was one of my favorite things to do is go to those midnight shows. Mm -hmm. And, uh, when Chris Clem lived here, we would do a podcast, uh, basically reviewing, doing a spoiler free review of those, uh, movies. And that was a lot of fun, but, uh, I just haven't had time because I've got too many too many irons in the fire so the last movie i saw in the theater was suicide squad oh yeah <laughs> not the best time no i actually saw the theaters too hmm. not the best time no i figured will smith could save it and i was wrong he was pretty okay but yeah. that's i mean there are a couple of moments that's a different review um yeah so has social media really helps you promote yourself and are the, what are the positives and negatives? Okay. It is imperative that you have a social media presence now because there are a billion people on Facebook. And um, so, and for the most part, you know, people do the vast majority of their time on the internet is spent on social media. We're attached to our phones. Facebook, yeah. All this, all this yeah, but it's not just Facebook you have to do. Because, um, yes, Facebook is the granddaddy of them all, so to speak. But, um, you know, it's um, with the way their algorithm is working now, you don't reach everybody when you, when you put it out there. I've discovered that um, you reach more than you think because there are people that are less active users. Like, they don't like things. They just don't. That's not how they, they just scroll, and that's what they do, which is fine. Um, but you also have to have a Twitter presence because um, bookers actually look at that, like how many Twitter followers you have because, um, and yes, you can purchase them, but, you know, that's verifiable. So it's like, yeah, you, you bought all these Twitter followers, but somebody just puts in a, puts in an app and it's like, ah, oh, you bought all these, go fuck yourself. For the most part, you know, if you use the, if you use Twitter properly, you can grow a following um, and it showcases your writing. Or, you know, you don't even have to do that. You can just, you know, have 
Twitter users that want to follow you just to see where you're at. Um, I like to I like Twitter because you know it's uh, it keeps my writing sharp because you have to use it. And then there's uh, Instagram's really hot right now, uh, so you have to have an Instagram presence. Uh, I find that you get more you get more instant feedback for stuff like people are more likely to double tap something than they are to like it. I don't know why, but uh, I just, I find I get my percentages are better on Instagram. The problems with social media are one, Facebook events are just like flyering. You're only going to get a percentage of the people that, you know, say that they're coming and that you've reached. You only, it's a very small percentage. So, you know, you can't, Oh, there are 115 people interested in this event. Yeah. You might get five. Yeah. Um, so you have you have to lower your expectations a little bit with it. Um, you also can't f- devote too much time to it because you know there's other shit that you have to do in order to you know actually do what you want. Um, but you know a lot of people get like you said sucked into their phone. But you know. You still have to write jokes, and you still have to, you know, do the technical work in order to get the shit that you need to get done. And then, um, you know, the people just tend to overreact online if you make them mad. Um, So that becomes problematic, but uh, I'm doing my best to uh, do less of that. This was a great interview. I think probably the best interview because it's awesome. my first. Word. Hmm. Um, well, let's uh, set the standard here. <laughs> it's the first time I made you laugh. <laughs> um, uh, this will come out on Thursday. Thank you so much for being on. Oh, no problem, man.